If you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Romans. Book of Romans. All right. What does the word Bible mean? The word Bible? Bible means what? Book. I wouldn't say book. Book. The, bi- the word Bible simply means book. Book. What does the word holy mean? How many of you have ever referred to it as the Holy Bible? Set apart. So this is a book that's set apart. Right? We believe it's God's word. Inerrant, authoritative. It's a set apart book. Right? Yeah. How many books in the book? 66. How many in the Old Testament? How many books in the Old Testament? 39. How many in the New Testament? 27. How do we know that? Good little reminder, right? 39. Three times nine is 27. Point you to the New Testament. All right, let's go have donuts and coffee. We're good. All right, I mean, why is that important? You have to kind of know knowledge of the Bible. You got to know it, right? He's talking about uh, armor of God. This is called our sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's a spiritual battle. This is our sword. You got to know it. And I'm not talking like trivia. That's important. You got to know structure and, and, you know, how it's made, where we got it, the historical thing. And you got to know scripture. But it it goes back to renewing your minds, right? How do you view this? What is your mind regarding the Bible? Right? And then that's why we encourage you every Sunday, bring your Bibles. We're always in the Bible. That's why we encourage you every Sunday, come and be ready to write something down in your Bible or on the notes that we provide. Write something down that God speaks to you through His Spirit, through His Word. That's why we're here. That's why we're here, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? We're talking about transformation, right? Transformation. Let's read Romans 12, 1 and 2 together. We read from the uh, New International Version, 1984 copyright, in case you're wondering. Um, So, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Ready? Begin. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, we have been talking about transformation in a broad sense since the first Sunday in January, right? And, and let, me, let me help you to understand my heart of why for the last almost seven full months we have been reading these verses together. Because if you were to actually go back in your notes... The last time I actually taught what these two verses mean expositorily was the end of March. But you're like, but you've been talking about transformation and we read these verses every Sunday. Let me, let me explain something to you. And this is one of those, how we get so wrapped up in the culture. The way we do church these days is, 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 is actually, it, it, there's some really good things about it, but it's absolutely extremely frustrating in many ways. Because we sort of trained congregations to do like four to six week series 
We'll teach four to six weeks on a series, and then we'll put it in a nice package. And we used to offer tapes, and then we offered CDs. You know, remember those days, right? And now it's online with a cool graphic about the four to six week series. The challenging part about that is that we can be training you inadvertently that once the series is done, you're done with it. Because then we move on to a new series. That's the challenge. When all along, I've shared this with you before, my heart is, you know, I know many of you come like, what are they going to talk about this Sunday? And a huge part of my heart is, what did you do with last Sunday's? What did you do with last Sunday's? Do with it. Not remember James, not to be hearers, but doers. And he who does it will be blessed in what he does. So our challenge as a pastor is to find this pace. Because I know, because I'm guilty of it too, by the time you have a coffee and donut at about 11.15, some of you won't even remember the message. Some of you won't even remember where your sermon notes are. I know that. It's not a slam, take it the right way. It's not a dig. It's a challenging part for, for me in my calling to be faithful to go every Sunday, prep, hours, 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 prepping, knowing that. And my heart for you is to not just hear it, but to implement it, apply it, because that's where the transformation happens. It's in the doing of it, the obedience through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's when God transforms you. That's my heart. That's why we kind of go this way. Now, I shared with you that the last time we actually exposited or I taught from 12, 1 and 2 was the end of March. Like, well, what have we been doing since then? We have been looking at, really, the context of the church and renewing our mind through the Bible of what our role is as believers in the church. So let me, let me, understand, let me, let me help you. Every Sunday for the rest of this year, we are going to read Romans 12, 1 and 2. Because we are always in transformation. Let me put it in a picture. Think of all the little sermon series you have tucked away at home. Okay? All the little sermon series that you bought and you, all the Bible studies. Every one of those sermon series, every time you hear a sermon, every time you go to a conference, it's in a big binder that says Transformation. Because everything you hear in biblical teaching is designed for what? Transformation. So there is no series on transformation. Transformation, guys, is our life. It's our life. And if I inadvertently say, okay, we're done, we're done about transformation, I'm doing you a disservice. Because anything we teach on, whether it's biblical stewardship, whether it's moving to a new facility, whether it's anything from the Bible, has to ultimately do with what? Our transformation. What is transformation? Metamorphosis, right? Our picture has been the caterpillar to the butterfly. That's what that word picture is when he says, be transformed. He says, don't be the best caterpillar. He says, go from a caterpillar to a butterfly, which in our context is go from the old new to the new you, and our ultimate goal is to be like who? Jesus. So anytime you hear any teaching, whether it's from me, whether it's online, whether it's in a book, it all comes under the heading transformation. Because it's always, the Bible is what? Always renewing our minds. If we're open to it, God will speak to you. It is living and active. And He will speak to you through His Word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and transform you as you respond. As you respond. Remember, we're not here for information. We're here for transformation. Amen? It's not just information gathering. It's just not tucking away another note. We're here literally, literally, 
I mean, literally. We believe this is God's word. We believe as a church, this is all we got. The Holy Spirit. But this is it. This is our, this is, in 1 Timothy 3.15, he calls the church the pillar and foundation of truth. I watched much of the, uh, the convention that just happened and everyone's, you know, in a good way, you know, vision for the country. What's going to fix the country? And, and it's great, vision, vision, vision. As believers, as the church, this is, all, this is what we got. This is the truth. This is the pillar and foundation. So every Sunday, every Bible study you go to, every conference comes under the heading transformation. And I've done it intentionally every Sunday because I need you to link everything you hear from Scripture to transformation. Everything you hear from Scripture, anything that God's calling you to do is linked ultimately to you being transformed. Please, please, please do not say, when is this transformation? I'm ready to move on. No, you're not. Because I'm not. And we're working with people in their 80s and 90s who are being transformed. Who have walked with the Lord for 50, 60, 70 years and are literally literally being challenged slash transformed this week. It never stops. Transformation will never stop. And so I just wanted to help you to understand, why do we read these verses every week? I thought, everything you hear from the Bible is designed to renew your mind and as you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit to be transformed. That, that's our heart. That's why this, this year, that's what God really put on my heart. No, you're going to read those verses every week. Yeah, okay. They're going to get tired of them. I know. Let them get so tired of it that they don't even open their Bibles because they memorized it. If you've gone to the point where he goes, he's going to open Romans 12, 1 and 2, and I know we're going to read it, but I don't even need to read it anymore because we do this every Sunday, so I'm just going to say it. If you're that sick of it that you got it stuck in your brain, ah, woo! Do you get it now? If you're so fed up with reading Romans 12, 1 and 2 that you get it in your sleep, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. That's where we're at, guys. We're not in a hurry. We're not in a hurry. Because transformation is growth. Transformation equals change. And change is not easy. Amen? Even a baby step. How many find change difficult? Mmm. Mmm. Right? Jesus wants to come in and move the furniture. Mmm. Mmm. And yet we all celebrate transformation. Okay, be careful because, you know, I always, I set you up, so I'm going to set you up. Here's the setup. How many here want to be transformed? Now you don't know. (laughs) Because the follow-up is, well, transformation equals change. So if you say, woo, I want to be like Jesus. Ah. Careful, careful, careful. Because Jesus might say, awesome, awesome, come follow me. And by the way, what you got in your pocket there? Can I have it? Hmm, really? But I like this, Jesus. It's mine. It's not hurting anyone. It's just mine, Jesus. Can I hold on to it a little longer? Just a little longer, Jesus. No, come on, come on. Come on. Right? Transformation is change. It's baby steps. And we're celebrating... We're celebrating transformation even as a church. Right? Turn to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4.11. 
transformation happens at the individual level, but also at the, at the corporate level, at the, at the local church level, at the body level. And last week, you heard some wonderful news about the potential for a, a facility that God has provided for and led us to, and we're going to talk about that. But I want to set the stage for transformation corporately by looking at Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. Okay, Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. All right. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become what? Mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in the deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things, what? Grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, what grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. What's the theme there? A couple themes. One, if you're a Christian and you're a part of the church, you have a part to play. Everybody has a part to play. Every age. For what purpose? Maturity and growth. The body, the church, is an organism. And God desires His church, His church kids, His household of God to mature and to grow. Right? I was talking to someone last Sunday, very happy about the vision and, and what was shared about the facility. And you know what this person said? It was so awesome. And I thought about it all week. She said, you know, I believe we're ready. And she wasn't talking financially. I said, I believe you are right. Six and a half years together since we planted this church, I believe it's taken six, six and a half years for God to grow us and mature us, challenge us, test us from a living room to Saturday night to Sunday morning, relationally, foundationally healing of wounds and and past issues a lot of growth and maturity has got us to the point of being ready for something that's transformation at the corporate level okay that's transformation and it's healthy and it's good it's good right this past week was a bit of a mixed blessing for me my oldest daughter she was here last sunday you know layla well she flew out monday and she graduated from nursing school out in Little Rock, and she got a job in Little Rock. And so Nadine and Tierra flew out Monday to help her move in to her first apartment. And it's mixed. It's, it's bad. It's mixed. You know? I celebrate this season of growth and transformation and maturity. She's doing exactly, you know, what she believes God wants her to do, and we're celebrating it, but she's... She's adulting, in her words. It's a new verb she coined. Dad, this adulting thing, you know? I'm like, yeah, I know. And, it, and so it was, it, was, it was like, oh, okay. Because there's a part of me that remembers when she was an infant. Right? And, and that time, if you're a parent, when you try to teach your kids how to talk. You remember when your kids first started talking? Right? And I remember when Layla first started talking. And I was a bit competitive back then, so I wanted her to say dad first. 
but she, her mom was a stay-home mom, and so she had a lot more hours than me. So I would come home and say, Dad, say, Dad, 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 Dad. Because all, all day she's like, Mom, right? Well, Layla, at that season in her life, got him a little mixed. So for a season in her life, she mixed Dad and Mom, and she called me Dummy. I'm like, Dad, Dad, Dad. And she's like, Mommy, Mommy, all day, so I'm Dummy. Hi, Dummy. Dummy's home. You know? You get a little upset. You know, do you understand? Yes, Dummy. You know what I mean? That was a season in her life where she was learning, and we celebrated that. Right? Then they get older, and as a parent, like, don't talk like that. <laughs> you know, they grow into their verbalness. And then, I, then this week, she, she's adulting. It's transformation. It's growth. It's healthy. But it's change. And there have been times this week where, you know, I kind of had an emotional dip. As I had to process change. And so, so we understand at, at the pastoral level, I understand. We don't, it's not cliche around here when we say we're God's family. And believe me, believe me, we understand how difficult change is. We're all in this together, and we're all in transformation, all in sanctification, all in these, you know, from the butterfly to the caliper. Sounds great, sounds great. But man, when it comes down to change and to make it real, whew, that's, that's tough. That's tough. And so what we want to do um, this Sunday, we're going to have a little bit of a different service. Every once in a while, and because of the nature of what God is doing, uh, we're calling this more of a family service. And... Um, we're going to have Bill and Tyler come up and share, and I'm going to move this down here a little bit. We're going to do a quick review. If you weren't here last Sunday, great Sunday to come today because you're going to get all caught up. Um, Shy, you can put it down. We're going to do a quick review of, of what we shared last Sunday as far as what we're celebrating in transformation as a body of Christ. Uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about where we believe God is, is continuing to transform us as a, as a body. Because I believe in many ways we're ready. Not the leadership, just the leadership, all of us. We're ready. So, um, we've been together six and a half years. Six, six and a half years. Shai, go ahead and start with Cindy. I'm sorry, no, go back to that. I'm sorry. So, at the core, since day one, it says, Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship is committed to making disciples of Jesus Christ as we love God, love the church, love our community and the world. Last Sunday, we talked about the Great Commission, which is to make disciples. There's only one verb, make disciples. So, if you're a Christian... Right? He didn't say, hey, pastors, go and make disciples. He didn't say, hey, pastors, go and get people to come to your church. What Jesus was saying, hey, my disciples, meaning every believer, you are called to be making disciples, which means you are a disciple, you're following Christ. But here's the thing. We're all called to continually be making disciples of others, which might mean sharing your faith, which might mean you mentoring somebody, which might mean going to Triple C. The church is to be dynamic, to be living. And what is the primary purpose? Make disciples. Make disciples. Think about the early church. It started in a little country, which was a dot on the planet. How did it grow from 12 to even 3,000 to 5,000 to the entire world? Think about that. Because they were making disciples. It was discipling. It was the Great Commission. That's how it happened. So that was, this has been foundational, our mission, vision statement, whatever you want to call that. Go ahead. 
We started at Cindy Swallow's house as a Bible study, December of 2009, going to 2010. Yet that's what it looked like, plastic chairs. Plastic chairs. I realized we don't even have a picture of the very first time we met because we weren't starting a church. There was some of our, our brothers and sisters in Christ that had not plugged into churches, and we thought, you know what, let's just, let's just get them together. We're, we're supposed to be in fellowship. Let's just do a Bible study. So we didn't get together for the first Bible study and say, hey, let's take a picture. No. What happened was the very next Sunday, well, people started talking. And then the next Sunday, a little more came. And then word got out. A little more came. And I remember Susan came one day, and she was all like, why didn't you tell me? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Susan, I didn't know you weren't going anywhere, you know, in a loving way. She was, she was joked with me. It was so awesome because word had gotten out. And so Cindy's living room filled, and it was standing room only. And we used to have dinners and bonfire. Remember those days, right? So we get to the place, and we're like, maybe Lord's calling us to make this more than a Bible study. And we prayed, and I tapped Bill, and I showed up at Tyler's door. And they said, hey, this is what God's kind of prompting me to do. I went to several pastors in the valley and others that I respected and said, this is what God kind of put on my heart. I need your counsel. I need your counsel. I, 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 I don't want this. This is not me. This is my, my thing. I need counsel. And unanimously, they said, do it. Yes, we're behind you. So we became Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship. Still continue to meet at Cindy's house, right? There's our first official church sign, right? We decide that, you know what? Okay, now we need a new facility because Cindy's neighbors probably aren't going to be too thrilled and we don't have room for anybody, right? So Pastor Lynn of the Wesleyan Church here graciously, graciously opens up his doors. Uh, and, but we continue on Saturday nights. Saturday nights in Ojai, I was told by longtime Ministers, not going to happen. People in Ohio don't go to church on Saturday night. That's why there's no Saturday night services. Think about that. It doesn't work in Ohio. Well, by faith, because we had a meeting on Saturdays, we decided by faith to stay Saturdays. Oh, remember those days? This temperature at the end of a Saturday. And you faithfully coming after been to the beach and birthday parties. And all that goes into a Saturday, Costco runs. And faithfully you came Saturday. And it was all you could do to stay awake. Just all you could do to stay awake. Some of you were so diligent in the head bobbing. And I understood. It's Saturday. You had a lot on your plate. But you came. You came. And faithfully we stuck it out. And then God called us to move to Sunday mornings, right? Sunday mornings. Pastor Lynn graciously moves their service so we can come in at 9 o'clock. Unheard of for a senior pastor to move his start time. They move back to 11 so we can come in at 9. In that time, we had been looking for other facilities. Honestly. We had looked at several facilities before I approached Pastor Lynn because I honestly, ye little faith, didn't think Pastor Lynn, not that it's, not that, I didn't want to impose on him. It wasn't anything on Pastor Lynn. It was me. I was more hesitant to ask that question. Hey, Lynn, do you think we could sneak in Sunday? But that requires you and your congregation to be upset. I mean, upset in, the, in, in your routine, right? Change. Graciously opens the door because there was no other facility that would accommodate us at that time. At that time. So we've been here since October 20, 2013. Love the Wesleyan Church. Their graciousness every Sunday. 
Phenomenal. Just a testimony to the body of Christ working together. In this time, the last almost three years, we have diligently been waiting on and seeking the Lord for the opportunity, should it come, for a new facility. For a new facility. And it's nothing that we necessarily publicize, but there have been different facilities that we've become aware of over the years, and we actually would go visit them, have some discussions with them. Okay? Good discussions. Good discussions. Okay? And just so you know, and I didn't share this last Sunday, but I think it's appropriate to share it, including Ojai Valley Community Church. We are aware of it. We had good discussions with them. But it's just not what we believe. That was the place for us. So if you're wondering, did they ever check it? Yeah, we checked it out. We had meetings with them and with others. And all the while we hold it like this, because this is God's church. And, okay, Lord, this is going to be big. And then in the back of our minds, we're like, okay, well, how are you going to buy the thing? Of course, I've heard stories, and Tyler can tell a story of churches being given to each other. That happens, so we, we understand that. In the process of waiting and trying to be good stewards and diligent, God provided financially for this body. Exceedingly abundantly. I still, it, it, it's amazing. So before we even had a facility, God provided financially. This past spring, we were made aware that the Lutheran Church on Grand Avenue there uh, were no longer going to be meeting and didn't need their facility. We entered discussions with them and their leadership team. Uh, We made an offer. They countered, and their counteroffer was higher than what we offered. And and then as shepherds, we had to say, okay, Lord, what are we going to do? And we, we, we believed that God put on our hearts unanimously the con- two convictions. One, that God had provided financially. And two, we were not going to go into debt to get a facility. We were going to rely by faith on what God provided. Okay. So we had a meeting, and we shared our heart with them. We shared the vision. We shared where we came from. The time came to ask, well, what do you, you got our counteroffer. What do you guys think? Where are you guys at? And Bill did a wonderful job of just sharing those two convictions. And they accepted. They accepted. And go ahead, Chai. Show the, uh, the new building. Now, that's the new building. It's on 4.8 acres uh, on the east end. And I love the fact that last Sunday we had a record-setting clear-out here. You all disappeared faster than any Sunday because you got a coffee and a donut. And we're like, see ya. And you all drove over there, which was great, which was great. So we put an offer uh, on this facility and the acreage behind it. And uh, the offer that we made, which was significantly less than you can bring the update and everything, significantly less than the appraisal value. We offered them $800,000 and they took it for 4.8 acres in Ohio with the building on it. God, right? God. That's God. I mean, right? We don't have a thermometer and we're not like filling the thermometer up and all this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, we're like, whoa. And so it, it is still a whoa moment and, and we celebrate that. 
So that's, that's what brought us, and this is kind of, you know, in a condensed form what we shared last Sunday. Bill is, gonna, is running point with his gifting and his ex- experience. And so Bill, even on Wednesday in a very wonderful way, was, what's the update? What's the update? Because um, last Sunday we shared the next practical step was to go into escrow. And, you know, there's that, ooh, you know, if you've been in escrow, you know how escrows, for a variety of reasons, can just be yanked. So we're going to, we're gonna, I call it tempered enthusiasm until day 61. And believe me, when we show you the keys. Woo, you know, then, okay, so tempered. Um, but Bill, why don't you do a bit of an update so we can all be up to speed. Well, the update's pretty simple since last Sunday. Um, I met a couple times with, uh, with my counterpart from the Lutherans, Bert Rapp. Many of you know Bert Rapp. Bert's a great guy. I've known him for 20 plus years. And uh, so uh, we've worked through the details of the escrow, and we are not in escrow yet, but we are going to be putting the property into escrow by giving them them the check. Not really. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, So uh, there will be an exchange of money next uh, Tuesday uh, at the attorney's office, and uh, as only God would have it, we have a Jewish attorney uh, that is representing both parties, and... I'm serious. Attorneys don't represent two parties. You usually have your own attorney, and they represent each side. But we're on one side, and we're on God's side. And mm-hmm. so we're going to this Jewish attorney that is going to represent both parties. And uh, there, are no, there are absolutely no issues. We've agreed to every con- – there are no contingencies. There's no loan. There's no – I mean, it's just it's like God is saying, okay, here's the transfer. So by next, by next Tuesday or Wednesday at the latest, we should actually officially have an escrow uh, opened, and it's a 60-day or sooner close. So we don't know when the close is going to be. That's in God's hands. Uh, but I will share with you that everything is in place, and there are no, no obstacles. Uh, that's the update. And, and I think as we, as we go along, of course, there will, be, there will be much more to talk about because um, should God close this escrow, uh, then there's, uh, for those of you... Sunday that beelined over there, you'll notice there's quite a bit to do. <laughs> so we'll be, we'll be a little bit busy. Uh, and it'll be a good busy, though, won't it? Yes. Yes. They have not um, met there since Easter. Easter was their last service there. So if you go and visit and everything, you'll, you'll see what happens in a matter of a few months. But it's all good. We're, it's all good. And uh, our heart last Sunday was to put it in the context of the Great Commission, which is what we were doing when we were in plastic chairs. Right. And when we were in plastic chairs, go ahead, Chai. When we were in plastic chairs, our heart was to make disciples. And when we go to this new building, our heart is still to make disciples. Just, just the venue changes. Because sometimes, you know, we get excited about a building and da-da-da-da-da. No, what we need to do is keep the main thing the main thing, which is Jesus' great commission. We just have a, a, a facility where we can just expand that. Expand that to the valley. Today, what I wanted to do is, is share with you. Turn to Acts chapter 6. And I wanted to even take a next step and help us as a church family in our transformation to understand that what we are embarking on and what we have already been on, but now has been made manifest and and revealed very publicly by the Lord, is a process of growth. And I said at the beginning of the service, transformation requires what? Change. And change as a church family, if we lose focus... Uh, you know, can be, can be more difficult than it needs to be. 
right? Like I shared with, my, with Layla growing up. Well, if I choose to focus on how much I miss her and how much I'm feeling bad, and how, then I'm just going to go down a rabbit hole because then it's all about me. Rather than celebrating her life and what God is doing in her life. So it's mixed, I get that, but I can't focus on me. Even as a church, when we go to a new facility and God grows a church and transforms a church, we've got to celebrate it. It's a celebration. Now, I know there's also a level, but what does that mean? Because, because we love each other so much and, and, and we have great relationships. And, and is that going to change? Well, yeah, but it doesn't mean you can't say hi and love one another. I get the concern, oh, what if, what if we double and it's going to become so big and I'm not, no. That's just a choice you and I will make. Right? Because sometimes, here's, here's how the pendulum can swing if you're not careful. We have our thing. And we like our thing. You know? Us 50 and that's nifty. If you're not careful, you can swing too far that way to protect your thing when it's really always been his thing. Amen? It's his church. Think about the early church. If they had decided in Jerusalem, us 50, okay, us 3,000 and whatever else, right? No one else. Where would we be? If the early church said, nah, we're good. I don't want to mess it up. I don't want more people. Okay, you and I would be in a world of hurt right now. (laughs) But it's his church and he's building his church. So we hold it and we serve and we joyfully celebrate what he's doing in his church, right? In Acts chapter 6, look what, look what happens, Acts 6, 1. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Okay, Acts 2 says 3,000 were added. Boom! How many would celebrate 3,000? Put your hand up. Okay, how many would celebrate 3,000 showing up next Sunday? Uh, not enough donuts for 3,000. And they may not touch my sprinkle over there because I know there's enough to go around. Right? So 3,000 in Acts 2. In Acts 4.4, 4, the number brought, is brought up to 5,000 men. Not including women and children. So in a matter of this, supernaturally, God brings thousands of people to the birth of his church. We're like, woo! And that's great until you get to ground level. And the nuts and bolts of ministry, day-to-day shepherding and caring, then things get a little bit messy because these, it says here, the Grecian Jews, these were Jews who lived outside of Palestine, who lived in the world of the Gentiles, and they spoke Greek, okay? So they all came to Jerusalem in Jerusalem, there were the Hebraic Jews, the ones that were born and, born and raised in Palestine, who spoke Hebrew or Aramaic. So you've got two groups of Jews coming to the birth of the church. That's, that's who they're talking about. Thousands are there. A complaint is lodged. Pastor, we're upset. Look at this. Their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Hey, you know, we got widows. And you guys are doing your best, but there's thousands, and daily they were trying to distribute food. Remember Acts? The church came together communally and were giving everything away. Well, there was a group, not intentionally, but there was a group who were being overlooked in the craziness of thousands. So the twelve are made aware of a situation that has arisen out of something wonderful. Out of something wonderfully supernatural, a need 
has been brought to their attention because some people are kind of being falling through the cracks maybe a little bit, unintentionally. So the twelve do this. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. He presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Boom, still moving. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So here's what happens. Thousands are added. This need, this, hey, guys, check this out. It's like something's, something's going on. We've got to reassess. The disciples get together and say, okay, what was the real issue? Priorities. The apostles had to say, what are we, what's our priority? What does our priority need to be? It wasn't the one that one was more important than the other. It was really like, what is God calling us to do? What is our priority? Okay, and they say, okay, God has called us to prayer and the ministry of the word. We need to raise up other people from the church, the body, to serve in the daily distribution. Not one better than the other, both serving. In fact, if you were to look in the Greek in verse 2 and verse 4, the words for ministry and serving are very much related to our word deacon. Many believe this was the precursor, the prototype of deacons in the church. Right here. Okay? Not one better than the other, just priorities. What is God calling us to focus on as the apostles? And what can we raise up others to do? In context of application of where we are today, not just of a facility, but as a church family, six and a half years, Lord, what are you calling us to do? If I could show you a picture from December of, of um, 2015, this is a miracle. And there's a whole lot of people not here. We have been praying for this. We have been praying for you if you're here. Putting out a row in the back. I mean, this is an answer to prayer. But it also means, Lord, you're moving. What do we need to do to keep in step with you? Amen? You see the difference? It's not, Lord, we're going to go buy a building and staff it and then bless what we're doing. We were like, Lord, you're moving. You brought that much money so we could buy that debt free. You brought all these people with gifts and talents and ability we got to keep in step with you. The challenge for us, and I'll be very honest with you, six and a half years we've grown pretty tight. We're used to you. We know you. We love you. And yet the Lord says, okay, Acts 6 moment. Shepherds, are you going to follow me? Or are you going to ask me to bless what you think is best? And so we're doing our best to discern the changes we need to make at the leadership level uh, for Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship to keep in step with him as we move forward. As we move forward. So there's, there's two significant things I want to share with you as, as a church family. We have over the last several months been praying and having extensive discussions about our roles um, as a shepherds. First Timothy, uh, First Peter 5 says, hey, you know what? Shepherd the flock under your care. We take that super serious around here. Not just cliche. 
So I want to share with you um, some definition of roles and where we're moving forward over time. We're not in a hurry, but it's important you know today in light of the big picture and the facility is just part of the big picture. Uh, Bill, brother, brother Bill, um, you know he's been wonderful teacher. Amen. Right, great administrator. Uh, lots of skills there. Um, his heart for missions. Right, him and Mark go way back. He has a heart for missions. Um, a specific, uh, not change. Don't call it change, but addition to where we are heading as a church is Bill is going to be called what we call uh, the shepherds of the shepherds, or if you want to call him the senior elder. We are um, proactively going to be uh, seeking the Lord to reveal and raise up elders and deacons for Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship. And elders and deacons need to be shepherded, need to be nurtured as well. So, Bill, why don't you come up and uh, share a little bit about what God's put on your heart? Yeah, so that really doesn't represent much of a change, really, from a, from a, uh, a structural point of view. But a couple of things that are really important uh, as we have a, a, a senior pastor and the leadership changes that are going to be taking place. And like I said, it has nothing to do really with the building, but it really has to do with Acts 6 and, the, and Ephesians 4. And then we have a church that is a 501c3 in the, in the eyes of the state of California. And we have a church that is a body of believers in the eyes of God. And that's what's most important. And so um, we we are organized uh, both legally and uh, and locally, aren't we? Um, under the headship of Christ, and uh, and certainly that doesn't change. Uh, and our leadership structure here is based on biblical principles. Um, Timothy, First and Second Timothy, and Titus give us uh, complete and accurate instruction on how to put together the church because. In the early church, it needed to be organized, and that's our model. That's what we are going to follow. We believe that God has been preparing us, of course, for such a time as this, uh, whether we're in a tent or a, a new building. Um, and uh, and uh, he's graced us uh, and blessed us in so many ways, hasn't he? Um, my role is going to be to uh, be seeking the Lord to have him identify those that would be interested in, in pursuing uh, according to 1 Timothy 3.1, whoever desires to be an overseer desires a noble task, and that is men and women in the church and to leadership. Because this church is going to be a church that is going to nurture people both uh, uh, in, in eldership, in deaconship, in deaconesses, if you would like to call them that. I see it as church leadership because God created us all equal with different gifts and different roles. And so this church will be led by the people that God has called into leadership. And so I would I would hope that you would pray about that. Um, and so uh, along with that, of course, that um, that biblical leadership roles for men and women in this church, it becomes very apparent when you look at the number of seats that are filled here, uh, including those that are not here because they were unable to be here even today. You'll see that um, as, as somebody once says, uh, and this is quasi-biblical, it takes a village, doesn't it? We're in this together. It takes it. God has called each of us to participate in the body of Christ. 
And uh, so my role is going to be to develop that and to nurture that over time. And, of course, 1 Timothy 5.22 says, says, uh, but don't be in a hurry because it's God's timing. And so there's no reason to get excited about this uh, any more than we already are (laughs) because I think he's excited because he wouldn't. He's excited because he said he'd be done with this at 10 o'clock. I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding. Um, in addition to my, my role as, as, as really the leader of leaders, if you will, here at the church, um, uh, obviously uh, teaching is, is something that's very important to me, and I will continue with that, and pastoral care is something that's important, I will continue with that, and, and missions. And I think that missions are very important. We've been praying for three years. We started praying for missions in this church about the same time we started praying for a building, for facilities. Where would we go? What would we do? And holding everything just like this very loosely, Lord, what would you have for us? He brought resources to buy a building at a fraction of its appraised value supernaturally. And he then brought people that had a heart for missions into this church at the right time for the right reasons. And that's why you see that we're going to Mexico and some have been to Haiti and, and even, even Mark. In an unofficial capacity, Mark has stepped up to lead missions. And, of course, missions is my heart as I did that for almost 10 years. And so uh, missions becomes very important because it is a biblical precedent that has been set to go out. And we can go out across the street and we can go out across the world wherever God has called us to go, I hope that our heart is to go. Just simply to say, Lord, here I am. Send me across the street or across the world. Either one. And so I, I think that as we, as we look at the changes in roles, there will be a few changes because it's not any longer going to be Richie and Bill and Tyler. Thank you very much, Wes, for praying for the three of us as the leaders of this church for the last six and a half years. And that's about to change. As elders are nurtured and developed, as the men and women of this church that God has called to come into leadership in this church are nurtured and taught and they are brought in to serve because we are leaders in servanthood. And Jesus is our guide. The best servant leader ever. And of course, we are followers of Him. Amen? And that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) All right. I want to also say... um, when we uh, began as an official church, one of the things that were, was very important to us is we have an accountability board. These are uh, pastors that I've known for 25 years or so. Uh, one's a senior pastor in Colorado. One's a pastor up in Tracy. Uh, my other brother, I served with him on staff in Oceanside. He's not currently in ministry, but I still consider him pastoral. There's an accountability board that has been involved with this church from day one. Uh, they have been involved with our process of seeking facilities and are very much in the loop. And when I shared with them God's provision and then God's provision of a place, uh, I just want to share with you unanimously, they are so excited for you. Uh, They love you dearly. They pray for you. Um, But I wanted to make you aware that there is an accountability board uh, that is roped in um, in a very, very intimate way with you. You may not even know them. Our desire, Lord willing, we have a wonderful first service. We want to try to get them all here together for the first time. They've been here off and on over six years individually, but we want to bring them out so you can all meet them and and they can pray over you as the, as the pastors, accountability pastors for, for us here. I thought that was very important for you to know. Uh, also, uh, so Bill's in that role. 
We have been seeking the Lord for his timing also regarding church staff and development of new ministries. Uh, by God's design, six and a half years ago, when the people started coming on Saturday nights and we moved here, uh, you know, our demographic, take it the right way, was a wee bit older. Like, as in, I was the youth group. Right? So we're like, okay, Lord, I get it. We're just going to wait. We, you know, when the youth is us and your grandkids, every, you know what I mean? You're like, okay, Lauren, I was a youth pastor, children's pastor for 20 years. And I'm like, when are we going to do youth? I want to do youth. I want to go to camp. I want to do this. I want to do this, right? And he's like, no, wait, 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 wait. Well, we believe the waiting is, is, is done. And by faith, we believe um, that God is calling us as part of his vision for new facilities to minister to the families of the Ohio Valley uh, very proactively very proactively, and to develop a children's and junior high high school ministry. We believe he's brought families uh, strategically for junior high and high school. Uh, We've got a couple kids going into high school strategically as freshmen, and we look forward to to seeing what God's going to do with parenting, marriage, and all that. To that end, we have um, uh, believed and we have come to the... uh, the conclusion and the conviction that that it's time to... to, um, recognize what God has been doing in, in Brother Tyler's life. And uh, many of you know that Tyler has, has already sort of been operating as a family pastor around here. And we just uh, wanted to let you know that uh, in the near future, um, we're going to make that official. It's official today, but we're going to officially ordain him. And uh, we believe God is calling him to serve as pastor of uh, family ministries here. I've, I've served alongside uh, way back, 10, 15 years together of serving. And uh, he holds this very, very, uh, he's here today. And so um, Tyler just wants to share with you, come up and share his vision for uh, where we're heading uh, family ministries-wise, what God has put on our heart uh, to impact the valley at, at uh, the family level. Whew, that's... <laughs> I was saying, I'm not going to get emotional up here, but sorry, too late. As as you know, I'm a big crier, and and that's just because I reveal my heart and because I love the Lord so much, and I don't need that any closer. I have a booming voice, and I'm just so excited to share with you guys my heart and my transformation that I've gone through over the last few years, and this is the only time I'm going to say me, 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 what I have done, because it is us. We are a church family here, and we're in this together. We are a family. It started about 10 years ago. Um, God put it on my heart. I was asking for the doors to open for something, and it was youth ministry. And I had this great mentor named Pastor Richie, which was awesome. I mean, I had this great instruction on what to do and how to do it and how to do it in a biblical way. So I started off doing that. And then I kept praying for God, how can I glorify you more, Lord? How can I do this more? And I was like, okay. And I kept praying and praying. And then, once again, somebody knocked on my door and said, hey, I really want to start a church. I'd like you to come aside and be one of the leaders. And I said, oh, that'd be awesome. I mean, I've been praying for this, and this is a great opportunity. So that continued, and we, you know, we're here today. But I wanted to share something with you. Is, as you all know, probably if you don't, I love riding bicycles. I, lo- I mean, I, that's something, a passion of mine. I love going up Sulphur Mountain. And I'm riding up Sulphur Mountain, and I, every single time I look over at this valley, and I just go, wow, 
there are so many unchurched families in this valley. I mean, it's just, and all the youth, and I'm going to these different graduations recently with Adelia and my son Kyle graduating, and with um, Richie's daughter graduating from junior high. I mean, there's so many youth in this valley, and I have such a passion for that. And luckily, through the training and experience of this man here, I've, I've grown to that, and God has opened these doors. And a month ago, I retired after 31 years in law enforcement. I, God says, okay, here's another chapter. And I just got like, just held it like this. And I just said, okay, and I'm just looking forward to that. And I just wanted to share with you our visions as a family, what we have planned in the future and in the near fall. Um, I'm going to continue, or we are going to continue, to develop the children's ministry that Ms. Tina is already um, in charge of. And we're going to continue to develop that and grow in that and seek the Lord in that guidance. Um, also, this fall, we're going to develop a junior high and high school group. And we're going to meet. We'll decide when we're going to meet. And if it starts off with just a few junior high and high school, awesome. If it's quite a few, help me, Lord. But we're going to do it. <laughs> I mean, but we're going to do it. As I'm saying, we are a church family. I'm relying on every one of you to pray about it and see if it's on your heart that you want to do some kind of ministry in that aspect. Um, also, God has opened another door for us to bless uh, Miramani um, Elementary School. We're going to come alongside them and help them. They're looking, they're looking for people just to come in and volunteer and just to bless the school with all of us. We're going to have training on that, on how to do it, because um, it is. It's, it's unique. It's a public school that a church is coming alongside and blessing. We're basically going to be salt and light in that school, and it's just just a great opportunity. And Miramani has, is really dear to my heart because both my boys went there and a lot of the people in this congregation or their kids went there. Um, so, and I just have a great heart for that school. And we're going to be doing all sorts of different um, volunteering there. And just to list a few, we're going to be helping out with landscaping. So the first day of school, when they show up, they can say, wow, how'd that happen? Oh, Ohio Valley Christian Fellowship. Look at that. Look what God blessed. I mean, we're hoping that, you know, we're going to be salt and light in that. We're going to help out in the library. We're going to do teachers' appreciation by bringing them gifts and food and stuff. We're going to just read to the kids and play on, at recess with them. Just being the salt and light. Just showing God's love through our actions. I mean, we can't go to a public school and say, hey, you need to know Jesus. I mean, I wish we could, but we can't. But we're just by our testimonies of our lives and how we love the Lord just to show that. And also, too, I'm really excited, too. We're going to start, like, a parenting and marriage seminars and stuff in the future with the other churches in the valley and coordinating that. And also, too, last but not least, um, the protection of this block. I'm already doing that, but or we're doing that, but it is just a great opportunity because I don't know if every Sunday you realize, but we have people in here, we have actions in plan. If something happens, medical or whatever, we're just going to continue that, that ministry. So, I love Ephesians 4, um, 16, that when, when it says supporting ligaments. We're all supporting ligaments, and we're all part of that body. So I'm just asking you to pray and just give this all up to the Lord. And I, one thing I want to guarantee to every one of you that I love the Lord. I put him first, and I'm always going to rely on this as my guidance and my, my guide. All right, we're going to take communion. Uh, we do it every...
Sunday together. Jesus says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. There's a picture I want to show you to lead us into communion. If you notice, this is the front of our Lord willing new facility. There is a very large cross and it will stay there. And I told their board that I love that cross as we were in that little meeting. I said, you know why? Because that's a statement. That's a theological statement to the community of what that body of believers stands for. We are people of the cross. Now, in some people, parts of the country, that will create a lot of problems. But we're unashamedly people of the cross. And so, at our new facility, that's going to stay there because that's who we are. It also reminds me of Jesus' words. Say, hey, come follow me. Take up your cross. And come follow me. So, in submission and surrender and trust and faith in the power of the Holy Spirit, we are going to be people of the cross who follow Him by taking up our cross daily. Amen? That's what we're all about. So as we take communion, let's just remember that as much as we're excited about the building and what God's doing uh, leadership-wise, it goes back to the cross. And His grace, His love, and the fact that we're children of God and heaven is our home. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank You. Thank You for planting that cross. And what a powerful reminder that as excited as we are about pursuing your vision and staying in step with you programmatically and leadership wise, Lord, may we never forget that it is the cross. It is your death, burial and resurrection. It is that we are saved by grace through faith. It's the cross. And if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in Jesus, I encourage you. Implore you. By faith, trust Jesus. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus' finished work on the cross. So just put your faith, rest your full weight on Jesus' finished work at Calvary. By faith, receive Him as Savior and Lord. And Jesus, you say as often as we take communion to do it in remembrance of you. So we pause now and as we receive the cups and the we hold the bread and the juice symbolic of your shed blood and broken body. We're so thankful. Thankful that we are the body of Christ. Children. Your children. Through faith in Jesus. So we take this time of communion now. Just a time of reflection. Time of prayer, Lord. Time of thanksgiving. For your cross.